Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome to the clinic. As always today, we're going to talk about our health, our mental health, our physical health, and our spiritual health. Um, welcome to, to the show. Today I want to talk about uh, the power of words because there's been a lot of tension, a lot of um, issues going on in society. And I think a lot of it, what it comes out of is the words that we use. And really, uh, it's easy to forget that what we say can have an impact on people because a lot of times we use our words and we want to talk and we want to say things. And we imagine that, you know, I need to be heard and I need to be commun- and I need to communicate and I want people to know what I'm thinking. And a lot of times it comes from a place where we feel that that which we are thinking is so important that I got to get it out there regardless of how it affects other people or what it can do to other people. So with that in mind, let's start with some prayerful words. Um, let's start our show and saying in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think when it comes to the topic of words, it's one that, you know, it's obviously something we use all the time. I'm using it now to convey information to you. Hopefully, uh, you are our listeners, and we are in this together, and we're we're hopefully sharing information, and hopefully I'm conveying with my words um, a similar thought or, or a, a sense of, yeah, I understand what he's saying, or, you know, with these words, I'm coming closer to Christ, because ultimately, that's what we want to do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, is bring cl- people closer to Christ. But if you notice, words is one of the most basic things that God that God gifted us. Um, if we look at the first verse of the Gospel of John, and we'll read that later on in the chapter, in the beginning was the Word. That's all that existed, and, and the Word was God. And so God a lot of times is referred to a Word, or Christ is referred to the Word of God. And why do we use the word Word, you know, in and of itself, right? So now we, we talk about Word and God as the Word and Christ as the Word of God. These are important things to consider. At its most basic, we use words to communicate, right? And like I said before, I want to get my thoughts out. And if I'm going to listen to people, I want to listen to their words. We use words, we read a good book, we hear a good a good story, we're watching a movie. Yes, they're silent movies, so we're going to talk about silent words, if you will, or gestures. But really, all what it comes really down to is communication, Words are so powerful, however, and we don't always think about it. Um, You know, we have sayings, this is how powerful words are. We have sayings that say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Why do we say that? Why do you have those sayings? Because we're hoping to be strong. But the truth is that words can hurt. They can build us up or they can bring us down. You know, and and this is true not only in our everyday experience that sometimes we don't think about because we just go through our lives and and our days in and out and and we say things and we think things and we might not always appreciate the power behind what we say or do. But if we even look in the Bible, 
Um, we look. I love the book of Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books because it gives us a lot of hints and a lot of uh, ideas as to how to live our lives and how to proceed with our lives. But it has a lot of verses when it comes to words, um, you know, in terms of what words can do and what the power of words are. If we look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12, it says, it is foolish to belittle a neighbor. A person with good sense remains silent. We've heard the term silence is golden. And a lot of times we forget that even in silence, in a way we are communicating. We might not be using spoken words, but we're using a type of communication. Again, this is where it comes back down to. Words are a type of communication. So when we think about words and what we hear, ultimately I got to remember, what is it that I want to convey? What is it that I want to communicate? And this is important because not only do I want to communicate, but then I have to ask myself, what am I hearing? If somebody says something, am I listening to what they're really saying? Or am I interpreting their communication in such a way that I find it hurtful or that I find it off? Currently, I tell a lot of my, uh, my patients, you know, when you're watching the news, if you're feeling upset or anxious at what you are hearing, not just seeing, but what you are hearing, whether the news be on television or radio news, turn it off because those words that are coming your way, if they're strictly there to upset you with really no purpose otherwise, um, because somebody's giving their ideas or, or spewing ideologies or, or saying hurtful things or calling people's names, that has a powerful impact on us as people. We hear these words and it has an impact on us. It's going to affect us. It can affect our emotions. It can affect our feelings and it can affect the way that we view each other. Words can unite and words can destroy. There's another uh, verse in the book of Proverbs. I want to take most of the verses today from the book of Proverbs because obviously Proverbs being Proverbs means uh, wise words coming your way. But if you hear this, it says, evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. So not only are words just words, but we can attach goodness and evil to words. We know that words are a tool to communicate, but what is it that's being attached to these words that we use? It's very, very powerful. You know, in, in my line of work as a psychiatrist, obviously words are key. And sometimes I have to you know, give words of encouragement to patients. I have to let them know that, you know, words of empathy. Uh, we have to let people know that we are there with them, that we feel for them, that we hope that they are doing well. And we have to communicate that with our, with what we say in the same way for our listeners. I want to convey that we are talking about Christ and that we are sharing our ideas and our faith about Christ. These are great words. These are words that hopefully can uplift us every day. There is another one that says, another Bible verse, this is Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 17, your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. Notice it says you destroy yourself, because why is that? So your soul is nourished when you are kind. Kindness, and uh, today we're using it in the context of words, we can do kindness in many different ways, but in the context of words, words are so powerful that it actually nourishes the word of God being Christ nourishes us. It nourishes the soul. It gives us strength, but you can destroy yourself when you are cruel. We also say that words can kill. You know, if we look at the commandments, if we look at the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. 
a lot of times we take that for granted and we just say, well, you know, I'm, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't take somebody's life. I didn't stab them. I didn't shoot them. I didn't drown them. You know, I, di I didn't hurt anybody in that respect. But what kind of words did I use? Can I kill somebody with words? Because ultimately, what effect did I have on their soul? We remember from the book of Genesis, what did we learn? We learned that death did not necessarily mean physical death. It really meant eternal death, death of the soul. And if I use bad words, I can hurt somebody. I can kill them interiorly. It's a form of death. But this verse says, if, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. You destroy yourself. If I'm cruel to somebody, if I am mean to them, if I bring them down, I'm actually killing myself. There is a death there. How am I using my words? Am I using them for kindness? Am I using it to build people up? So we know that this is the most basic form of words or the most basic uh, purpose of words is really to communicate. And if we are going to talk about ourselves as being Catholic, are we communicating? Are we using our words to be kind, to build, to give life? You know, re recently uh, there's a lot of letters that have been written um, by different bishops. Uh, Bishop Vigano, I know that a lot of people have been reading his letters. I know Terry and Jesse have been sharing those letters and, and, and analyzing them. And he's using words that are very powerful and can be very uplifting to the faithful Catholic. Even if he's using, even if the words can do at the same time, they're used for correction, it might upset people. And you can say, well, how is that possible? Why is it that he's using these words in these letters? And he's saying, you know, some people are, are working towards the kingdom of God. Other people are not. This is not going to be fun for everybody to hear. Some people are going to be very upset at these words. However, when you are using words of correction, words of truth, it's going to be upsetting for the person who's not ready to receive them or not ready to look at what the truth is. And it's going to build up the people or the person who's willing to look to God and look at the truth and say, this is really what I need to be hearing. This is the way I need to lead my life. One, so a lot of times some of uh, my patients ask me, doc, how do I know if I am leading my life, living my life in a way that is going to get me to heaven because I think I'm doing well. I think I'm doing what I need to do, but how do I know I'm moving in that direction? And a lot of it has to do is, or one way to know is if I hear words of correction, if I hear words of truth that are going to lead me to Christ, what's my reaction? Do I feel embittered inside? Do I feel angry or do I feel uplifted? And that's a great way to know, gosh, am I moving in the right direction? Or if, I'm, if I hear words of correction, am I able to humbly acknowledge that maybe that is something I need to fix in myself? Maybe this is something I need to improve. How can I make that better? Or is it going to be a situation where I say, nope, I think I'm going to ignore that because it's upsetting to me. I don't like what you're saying, whether it's the truth or not, and I'm going to go about this my own way. That can be very, very challenging because if we're not willing to listen to words of truth, then are we ready to listen to Christ? Are we ready to listen to the words that Christ is telling us, harsh as they may be? We have to remember when Christ told the crowd that they needed to eat his body and drink his blood, a lot of them weren't ready to listen to that, partially because culturally it was very abhorrent. But the other part is they weren't ready to listen to him to understand what the truth was. And if he was a truth, he might have been bringing him a different truth. When we come back, we're going to talk about how words work in the sacraments, and we're going to talk about how words work in the deliverance ministry, because that's very, very crucial to being able to be delivered from something evil. 
the power of words. More when we come back. Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You That's know, right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this, and I just want to call all the people, you know, I got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money, and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta. We have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 29 years old five kids and i thank you guys for everybody else man get on fire fight for the truth man i know what i'm telling you guys There's i no love it out there hebrews 11 3 says by faith we come to understand according to saint augustine understanding is the reward of faith Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to Bergen Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the clinic to all of our listeners. Always a pleasure to have you here. Um, today we're talking about, in terms of our mental health and spiritual health and physical health, the power of words. And words are very, very important all around. We can't underestimate that. We use it in our faith so much that sometimes it's, it's hard to, to even realize it because it's so often that, you know, we use words, we talk about words, but it's happening so quickly and often that, that we even forget that we do that. Um, and we forget that words can be very, very, very powerful. From the book of Proverbs, there's a, another, re, uh, uh, another verse. It says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. You notice something, they compare words to food. It's nourishing. It nourishes the mind, the soul, and the body. How many times after listening to something or hearing something, do we say, gosh, you know, that was really good. Am, am I still hungry or not? 
there's a few examples. There's actually one example of that in the Bible. If you look at uh, the the story where Christ went and spoke to the woman at the well, right before he had met that lady at the well and asked her for a glass of water, he had told his apostles to go get him some food because he was hungry. And he said, you know, go find me something to eat. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. And by the time they came back and after he had spoken to her, and, she, and you notice that the lady said, you know, I met somebody who gave me the words of life. The apostles came back and they had the food and he said, no, I'm no longer hungry. I'm now satisfied. And what was it? All he did was speak to this lady. He spoke to her the words of truth. He revealed himself to her. And that was very, very nourishing. He no longer needed the food. There's other times in the Bible where we see that as well. We look at the verse in chapter 18, verse 8 of Matthew, we see that the centurion had come to talk to Christ and said, Lord, one of my servants is really, really sick. He's ill. I need you to heal him. Please come heal him. Actually, he didn't even ask him to come. He said, please heal him. And Christ says to him, I'll come. I'm on my way. I'll be happy to go there. He said, shall I come heal him? And he says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Again, all we need is the word of Christ, and all of a sudden there's physical healing. When Christ speaks, when God speaks, there is physical healing, there is spiritual healing, and there is also um, emotional healing, because when we have the spiritual, the physical are, are healthy, our emotions are going to be healthy too. We're going we're gonna to respond in that way. A lot of the times when I talk to my patients about different treatments, I tell them, you know, I realize that you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, but... How's your physical life? Are you taking care of yourself? Do you have any physical ailments? We have to ask about that because we know that all these things can affect our emotions. How we are doing physically, our health is going to affect how we feel, right? And we also ask, how's your spiritual life? All these things come together because in terms of our total well-being, we need to know that everything interacts with each other. So if everything interacts with each other, hearing words in the mind or having that faith is going to heal us. It's going to heal us mind, body, soul. We say that the word of God is nourishment for the soul. So the word of God can actually provide that nourishment. It can provide healing. We can't underestimate that. Christ also has another uh, interesting uh, section in the, in the Bible. Uh, uh, here, let me see here. It's Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 20, where he asked his apostles, who do people say the Son of Man is? Notice this is a very important question because at this point he wants to know, who do you think I am? But his question is, who do people say that the Son of the Man, uh, the Son of Man is? He's not asking what do they think or what what's been going on intellectually. He's saying what are they actually saying? What words are they using? What are the right words, um, or do they have the right words to describe me? You know, and some of them said, oh, well, gosh, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Other people say that you're Elijah. And he says, okay, that's great. He said, that, that's what they're saying. So they, they, they kind of don't have it down. They think I'm a prophet. He turns it on me and he says, who do you say I am? In other words, what words are you using to describe me? What, what kind of power are you using to describe me? And they, you know, this is where Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he tells him, Blessed are you because it is my Father in heaven that has revealed this to you. And this is when he tells him, you will be the rock. You will be the person I will build my church on because you knew the words to say. Words are extremely, extremely powerful. 
We can't underestimate that. We can't say, oh, you know, I just said this or I just said that. There's going to be some weight to what I say. We've got to think about what we say. How do we know? And this is where I say, you know, we use this all the time in, in our faith and in our, our faith life. How do we know that words are, are powerful and words are changing and words can actually make things move and create action, as we say, in our spiritual lives? Let's talk a little bit about the sacraments. This is where we really see words in action. This is where we see where words actually are doing something. Whenever we go to the sacrament of confession, we're so used to, at the end of our confession, hearing the words of absolution. Here's something that's very key. The words of absolution aren't going to mean much, and they're not going to have any effect, and they're not going to be able to forgive any sins unless we are able to, with our words, express our sins. We have to tell the priest our sins. He's got, they have to be, our, sins, our words have to be there so that our sins are actually heard in order for them to be uh, forgiven. Why is that? Because the words are so powerful. The words declare truth. If somebody doesn't say something, it might not have happened. We need to admit that something happened. I need to say what my sins are. If you go to a priest and say, Father, just forgive me of my sins. And, and the priest says, okay, well, go ahead. Tell me what your sins are. Tell me what you feel you have done wrong. And you say, I really don't want to say, I just want them forgiven. He's going to say, you know, unless you can verbalize it, I'm not able to forgive anything. Unless you can say something, I'm not able to use the words of absolution. On the flip side of that, notice that you can tell a priest your sins, but until he says the words of absolution, he has to say these words. As these words are being said, they are so powerful that an action is happening. Chains are being broken because the words were said. And we were ready to receive them in our hearts because we made a good confession. We made a good, honest confession. So that means that I am ready to receive these words of absolution and the words of absolution are being said. And because of this exchange of words, Christ set it up such that once the words are exchanged, the sin is no longer there. It's broken. Yes, the effects of sin are there. We can argue about that or we can talk about that. I shouldn't say argue. That's just how it is. But the chains, the bonds, that which tied us down is no longer there. Why? Because some words were said. But remember, words can have an attachment. I said before, there can be evil words. There can be good words. There can be words of hurting and there can be words of healing. In the sacrament of confession, what we're really doing is we're saying with our, by declaring our sins, we're also saying Christ is the truth. My sins are not the truth. My sins went against the truth and I'm here to make that right. Once the priest says the words, all of a sudden everything's right. The, the sins are broken. The chains that we're holding those sins down are broken. That's how powerful words can be. That's how powerful words can be when we speak to each other. When I give somebody a kind word, I might free them from anger. If I give somebody a kind, uh, do a kind gesture with a kind word to somebody, I might free them from a sense of jealousy. These words are very powerful to counteract things that might be evil or bad. So this is really, really important to, to remember. Words are powerful in this way. Let's look at another sacrament where words are powerful. In the Eucharist, the priest uses the words of institution, as we say, or the words of consecration. Those are the words that Christ used at the Last Supper when he said, this is my body, this is my blood. Unless the priest says these words, there is no transubstantiation of the bread and the wine. Words are very powerful. These are words in action. The priest has to say these words in order for an action to happen. 
we got to remember that words convey action. So when you hear politicians speak or when you hear newscasters speak or what, you know, they're using, you know, in certain instances, they're trying to use the specific word to try to convince people of things or they're trying to wordsmith things or they're trying to make it so that you, you hear something. But is it the truth? I don't know. You have to ask my, I, we have to ask ourselves, is this the truth or am I being manipulated? We have to analyze this because words convey power and we, and we have to look at what is it that they are trying to do? Are they, are they trying to get me in a good place here or are they trying to use words to manipulate me? It's no different than if we try to go into a confession and we try not to make a good confession or we hide something. We, we're not using words appropriately because those words were placed there so that we can actually tell the truth. And so this is why they say, if you withhold a sin that you know of and you don't speak it, then it wasn't a valid confession. Why? Because that's powerful. You held back a word. You held back the truth. The truths convey the power. Let's look at a different sacrament, uh, the sacrament of matrimony. When two people are getting married, when a man and woman are getting married, and they're at the altar, and they're saying their vows, or the priest is reading the vows, or um, you know, we're, in, we're at that moment of the marriage, when are they married? When, when, is, when is this couple married? Is it just when they're saying their vows? No, it's when there's an agreement, there is a covenant, there is a contract that's saying, I do, right? Everybody's waiting to hear that. Do you take this person? Do you marry this person? Are you agreeing to be with this person? They're going to look at the groom. They're going to look at the bride individually. And one of the big things that they ask them is, do you come here out of your own free will? Nobody's coercing you. You don't feel pressured. This is what you want to do. You want to marry this person. And all of a sudden there's a pause. And you're waiting to hear the words, I do. You're waiting to hear that yes of a contract from each party. It can't be that one person said yes and the other person didn't reply. And if they didn't reply, then all of a sudden they're still married. It doesn't work that way. Both people have to say the words. And then once the words are said, there is a sacramental covenant there. One person says, I do. The other person says, I do. Something just happened. Something changed. Everybody knows something changed. These two people are now married. You can't look at these people separately from each other. If that man is all of a sudden talking to another woman in what might seem an amorous way, other people are going to say, you're not allowed to do that because when you said I do, when you made that action, you've committed yourself to somebody else. Same thing for the woman. If she's looking out and looking to be uh, in a different relationship without an annulment of that, People are going to say, wait a minute, you said I do. You entered into a covenant by saying those words. You are now bound. That is the power of words. You're bound to covenants. And ultimately, that's what words do, because if our ultimate goal is to make it to heaven, to get to heaven, to become like Christ and make it into those doors, really what we're saying when we get there is we're saying, I do to Christ. It's always compared to the crucifixion, our, our bond with God, our entering into heaven is always compared to a wedding feast. And what is a wedding feast? We just said in the sacrament of matrimony, it's two people who say, I do to each other, who say yes to each other, who use the power of the word yes to form a covenant relationship and to be bonded. That's very, very powerful. If we think about it, words are actually doing something. Words are actually changing ourselves, changing us. They're actually a, a means for us to not just convey messages, but to really enhance ourselves and enhance our lives. When we come back from this next break, I want to uh, build on that topic of realizing that 
there is a connection that we make with words when we say yes to something or when we say no to something. It's very important to remember that because in our actions, we can actually be saying yes and no to things that aren't God. And that's what gets people in trouble. And that's where the deliverance ministry comes in. More when we come back. Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, A portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877 543-3871 because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. All right, and welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I hope everybody's doing well. As always, I say, if you ever feel it in your heart to donate to us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, um, to send us a kind word, to let us know what you think of our shows and how uh, we're doing, if they helped you out in any way, or if you feel that there's any topics you'd like to discuss that you think might help improve your life, please let us know. I'd like to say hello to all of our friends who listen out there. I know that we have friends all over the world who've been listening to our shows, friends in India, friends in Australia, and here across the United States, any other country you're from, from feel free to email us and let us know where you're listening from. I always love to hear all the different places that people are listening from because I'm a strong believer in the communion of saints. And even though 
Here, we are far away from each other physically, geographically. You know, it's amazing how when we pray for each other, if you're across the globe, there is no distance. No, there is no distance to prayer. There is no distance to saying prayer words for each other, and they're going to have a very powerful effect, especially if we're talking about prayer and the power of words. Um, but then right now, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of saying yes and no in sacraments and covenants. You know, you understand that whenever we go and receive the sacraments, we are saying yes and no to God. Um, or I should actually, I should say, when we're receiving the sacraments, we're saying yes to God. Um, and he always gives us a choice to say no. And that can be a, a daunting thought um, that we can actually say no to God. But it happens all the time. It happens when we sin. It happens when we turn to something that's not God. And that can be very challenging to deal with. And God is very merciful gives us the sacrament of confession so that we can come in with our words, express not only um, our regret and our, and our sorrow, but we have to express to him and, and use our words to say what it is that we did wrong. There is power in words because then Christ is going to give us his words and say, I forgive you of your sins um, and go on and sin no more. So the power of words is very, very important. Giving a kind word to somebody can be so much more valuable than giving them money, than giving them riches, and giving them different things. And giving them the word of God would ultimately be the ultimate treasure. So because that leads us down the path of truth and the path towards heaven. I talked a little bit about matrimony and the idea of a covenant and of unification and of a new relationship. And there's where we wait for the couple to say, I do or yes to each other. Why would this be important in the world of deliverance ministry? Because what we've got to remember is that when we say no to God, there is no middle ground. We're either saying yes to God or no to God. But if we say no to God, then by default, we're saying yes to the realm of darkness. That's what happens every time we sin. We're saying yes to that which is not good. And even worse, uh, I was talking a little bit about hearing people's speeches, whether they be politicians or somebody trying to sell you something. Um, and those can be much more manipulative because they're not exactly always telling you what they're thinking. You know, if we look at the Bible, if we look at the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus says, Jesus says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Those are very, very powerful words right there because Christ is telling us that in our words, you want to be straight with what you're saying, yes or no, be very clear. If there's no clarity, if there's manipulation of words, if you're jumping through hoops to get across your message, then what you have to understand is, once you're jumping through these hoops, you're no longer in the realm of truth. The truth is simple as yes or no. Do I accept it? Do I not accept it? That's just what happens. That's what leads us to Christ. Anything other than that, any manipulation of words, anything that tells you, well, you know, it's semantics, it's this, it's that, let's look at this from a different angle. All of a sudden you're being manipulated, that's no longer coming from Christ. And that can happen very, very easily. So why is this important in, in the realm of deliverance? Well, because the evil one's there to deceive us. How does he deceive us? By using words that minds the truth. So it's no longer yes or no. Words are powerful. They convey ideas. They convey feelings and emotions. And the words are going to say, no, you're not going to die if you do that. You're not going to die if you eat the apple. You're not going to die if you cheat your company. You're not going to die if you steal. You're not going to die if you lie to your neighbor. You're going to become like God. You're going to have knowledge of truth and evil. Well, knowledge is just an intimate understanding. It's, it's a bond as well, because with words, we gain knowledge. So now you're going to have knowledge of good and evil. 
Now you're going to be bonded with evil when you do something manipulative. You're not going to die physically. You're still going to be on this earth, but interiorly there's going to be a death. And this is what happens. This is unfortunately what happens um, in the world of uh, opening up ourselves to the dark side. There was a show I was watching one time on, on television. I don't quite remember which one it was, but I remember the scene. And this show was about exorcisms, and it was about um, a young gal who started to open herself up um, to the dark side. She was started by playing the Ouija board. And it's interesting, the sense of the power of words and yes or no, uh, and how we can attach things or can be evil words, and they don't just have to be mean. Evil words can be words that might not be mean. They might sound very kind, but they're used to manipulate people. Those are evil words, even though in and of themselves or context wasn't mean. That which was attached to them was mean. Interesting with the idea of the Ouija board, the word Ouija, where does that come from? It actually comes from two words. It comes from the word yes in French, oui, and the word yes in German, ja. So it's yes, yes. That's It's the yes, yes board. If you think about it that way, what am I saying yes to? The show that I was watching was interesting because this young gal had started playing this game and of course, you know, as it is in Hollywood, there's different things that happen and a lot of manipulation of things that wouldn't necessarily happen in real life, but they want to convey evil. They want to convey that the devil's there and the devil's present. But one scene in the movie in particular was very interesting because in a psychological way, of course, as you come to the clinic here and you, know, you think psychiatry, psychology, and we talk about how do we think about things as a Catholic in a very interesting psychological analysis of the scene, we see what it is that the devil wants. Because this was pretty accurate. So the devil appears to this young gal in the form of a man, and he comes to her and he's kind of hypnotizing her, he's kind of manipulating her, and at one point she says, what do you want? And his answer was very simple. Very, very simple. He said, I just want you to say yes. That's all I want. He didn't ask for anything else, he just said, say yes. Here's the key. What are you saying yes to? You don't even know. I want this manipulative contract where I want you to say yes, and now I'm in charge. Now I get to rule your life. Now I get to rule over you and manipulate your whole life. That's very dangerous. This is how people get involved in these things. And granted, in the show, it was much more overt because you could say, well, it was the devil himself talking to her. Gosh, if the devil ever appeared to me, if he was there, I wouldn't want to say yes to him. But we don't realize that this is the deception. The deception is the devil appears, but not always in the form of a man and not always in the form of a scary man. The devil might appear in the form of something very attractive. I'm sure that the apple for Eve probably looked delicious. Who knows if she was hungry? It might have looked very tempting. It might have looked like something, those moments where we say, you know, I know this might be kind of bad, but I'm in control. I can handle it. I'll, I'll just do this this one time. It'll be okay. And then I'm going to move on. You know, it's kind of like using drugs. Well, I'm going to take one more hit. I'm going to take one more drink. It'll be okay because I'm in control. Even though I know that I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict, but I just want to try this this one time because I'm in charge. Well, the same thing will happen. You know, I know God wouldn't approve of this, but it's just one time. I'm going to do this really quickly. All I'm going to do is just say yes to this right now, really fast. The thing is that we don't even know what we're saying yes to. We think that we're saying yes to one thing, but there's a whole lot of lies and manipulation behind it. There's this whole section of something going on that we might not even be aware of. And that was on the show. That was an interesting uh, uh, dialogue that they had in the show because I thought, gosh, you know, of all the things that Hollywood portrays and, and puts on this big uh, drama and this, this big show for people and we want to see that which is extraordinary, it's actually much more simple. It's actually the power of words. It's what am I saying yes to? 
That's all the devil wants. The devil just wants us to say yes to him so that all of a sudden our world opens up and he can start to manipulate it. And we think it's something very simple, but all he wants is 1%. He just wants a crack in the door. That's enough to really come in and do a lot of damage versus what's the opposite. Where's our power of words with God? When we go to the sacraments, we say yes. We say yes to Christ. When we receive communion, our answer is amen. I believe. It's a way of saying yes. This is the body of Christ. Absolutely it is. Not only do I believe it is, I believe it is to death. I say amen, right? So this is where the same way Christ, when he said, you have to eat my body and you have to drink my blood to have eternal life, when people didn't believe, he replied by saying, amen, amen. He doubled down on, this is the ultimate yes. This is what must be done. When we use our yes to give it to God, we start to open up ourselves to the best of everything. We might not see it that way. We might not understand it that way because we need to see it with eyes of faith. But the power of the word to say yes to God is going to supersede any power of saying yes to any person. This is where it gets interesting. When it comes into deliverance ministry, I've seen some cases where people have accepted the lies. They've accepted that other forms of faith are true. They've accepted that they're going to do open themselves up to the power of the universe and ask the universe to heal their bodies. They're going to consider maybe that other religions might have these ideas that might make their lives better. And we saw a case one time of somebody who really got involved with Eastern practices that were really getting into uh, different levels of inner energies and whatnot. Anything that's not Christ is, and by, by me going to a different religion, obviously, or looking towards the, f to find the truth in a different religion, what I'm really saying at that point is, I don't know that Christ is entirely everything for me. So I'm going to look somewhere else. Guess what I'm just saying? It's just a hint, shall we say, of saying no to Christ and a big yes to something else. And we think it's a hint of saying no to Christ, but with Christ, there is no yes or no, or a small hint of that. It's either all yes or all no. Christ isn't going to say, well, you know, you can go somewhere else for a little bit. If he tells you, I'm the truth, I am the word of God, and this is how powerful this word is, I am the truth, then by you saying yes to me, you're going to gain everything. If you say no, even in the least bit, I can't protect you anymore. You've chosen entirely to be away. We can't say no to Christ. This is where he says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Be perfect not just in your thoughts, but in your words. Let's look at what you say. Let's look at how powerful that is. I know that when it comes to that, when it comes to deliverance ministry, how do we break those bonds? We have to start using words again. We have to use words of renunciation. And the person who might now be manipulated by the evil one, who might find themselves having all these negative consequences in their lives, they have to actually start to say yes to Christ by saying no to everything else they've said to. Just like when we go to confession, what we're really saying is, I'm going to say no to sin now, and I'm going to say yes to God. Let's keep in mind, that's how powerful those words are. In an exorcism, by saying no to something else, we're freeing ourselves from the power of the evil one. More to come after the break. man once said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. 
Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose this war, and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will report with the greatest astonishment that those that had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now that we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists, not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. You weren't made to fit in, my brothers and sisters. You are born to stand out. Set yourself apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. God bless you. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you to all of our listeners for being here. Today we're talking about the power of words. And words, not just that we use in everyday life, but how do we see the power of words work in our own faith, in our own religion? So one of the things that we talked about was, yes, words carry a whole lot of weight to them. Words can convey emotion. Words can convey life and death. And we see that in our own faith. We see that in our Catholic faith in the sacraments, we see that as we practice the sacraments, how we have to say specific words in order for the sacraments to be valid. If you want to look at the sacrament of baptism, the priest has to say the right words where I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if not, if it's not said correctly, you might not have been baptized validly. That's how important words are. We can't skip a beat with words because they carry a lot of weight in our faith. This is important. We were talking about that in all the different sacraments. You look at that in the sacrament of confession. You have to say the words. You look at it in the sacrament of marriage. You have to say the words or something does not happen. Words are action. But this is what we have to remember, that if we don't use our words towards building that covenant with God, we can get in trouble and we can start saying yes to the dark side instead of saying no. We have to remember that every time we say yes to God, we're in his good graces and we can stay in the state of grace. But every time we say no to God, we are in effect saying yes to the dark side. We are saying yes to sin. We are saying, I don't want to be with God anymore. And that can lead to a lot of consequences. 
I was talking a little bit about before the break about how, uh, you know, when people are using the Ouija board and, and Ouija stands for yes, yes, it stands for the word yes in French and yes in German. What are we really saying yes to? We're saying, yes, I want to open up myself to whatever entities are out there to give me answers. Or if we start looking to practices outside of our religion for enlightenment and for healing, and we start using our bodies in different positions, and we start you know, looking for different energy levels and thinking of the power of the universe, by opening up ourselves and our bodies, we're saying yes and yes to something that's not God. And so now we can find ourselves in a dangerous situation. How do we fix that? Well, the same way that we kind of messed it up. If we say that, gosh, I made a mistake, I said yes to the wrong things, well, guess what we do now? In deliverance ministry, when we say our deliverance prayers, we say, okay, now instead of saying yes to that, what you have to do is say no to that, and you have to say yes to God. So just like in baptism, what do we say? We say, do you reject Satan? So in other words, do you say no to Satan and all his evil works and all his empty promises? Are you going to say no to that now? Please say no to that. So in deliverance ministry, the first thing that we do is we reject everything that we had accepted. I reject and renounce either the spirit of lust, the spirit of um, evil. I reject the spirit of jealousy. I reject the sp spirit of rage. Whatever we've allowed to come in, we have to reject that first. We have to say no. That's how powerful the word no is. It's going to break that bond. And now after we do that, we have to say yes to Christ. Notice that it's very similar to confession. When we go to confession, the first thing we do is we say, this is where I did wrong. I have to say no to these things. This, I'm here to say no to these things. And by saying no to these things, then I'm here to say yes to Christ. So what happens in confession? I'm, I want to say no to this sin, this sin, and this sin. And this is what I'm telling you that I did wrong, and I want to say no to that. So now I'm asking for pardon, and I'm asking for absolution. I'm asking for Christ to say yes to me again, which he always does, because I'm saying no to this, because now I want to say yes to Christ. I want to say yes to the right way. That's really why I'm here. That's a sincere confession. That's the bottom line. Confession is about saying no to darkness and saying yes to Christ. But it has to happen with words. It happens, has to happen with words of, I accept Christ. And deliverance, when somebody has had evil influence on them, they have to reject everything. They have to say, no, I don't want any of these things anymore. I'm saying this is not the truth. This is not good. And now I'm saying yes to Christ. And now I have to accept Christ. And I have to say, all these other things that I at one point thought was uh, used as the truth or turned to to be the truth or turned to for enlightenment or healing or feeling better, whether it be horoscopes or a lot of people use crystals or anything that's new agey or they believe is healing or centering prayer where I'm going to just focus on myself and my own power from within. That's not the way it works. That's not the way we were built. That's not the way Christ built us. So I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not going to rely on that. I'm not going to pretend that I am all powerful and I can rely on this power and I can enlighten myself. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the truth and re recognize that any power I have or any enlightenment I have is sourced in Christ. It all comes from Christ. I'm going to say yes to Christ. So what happens with all this? How do we know that words are powerful? Because after somebody goes through a deliverance session, it's just like in confession, what does the priest say? The priest says, you know what, now you got to do some penance. Whether it be you have to make up for what you did to somebody else with doing something for them or saying a kind word. But more than likely, the priest is probably going to give you some prayers to pray and might say, you know, pray this along with it. A lot of times we take it for granted. Oh, okay. Father said I prayed three Hail Marys. Couldn't have been that bad. Well, he told me to pray the whole decade of the rosary. Man, I'm, I'm really bad. 
And so we compare that, we, we look at how much we have to pray to how bad we are, how bad, how bad what we did was. When in reality, we should look at it as, wow, um, the more the more he gives me to pray, we should probably be, be asking him to give us more to pray because every word I say in prayer, how much power is that going to have? The more I pray, the closer I'm going to come to God. The more I pray, the more I use my words to be with God, then Imagine how much more grace I'm going to be in. Imagine how much more spiritual power, true spiritual power I'm going to have. It doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to levitate or I'm going to start glowing, but the spiritual power comes in being able to recognize Christ in other people. And now guess what? Now I'm going to be able to give them a kind word because I'm happy in Christ. Christ lives in me. So all the words I use now are going to be uplifting. Now my words are going to be towards prayer what's the point of prayer? What is it the words that we use in prayer? The whole point of prayer is to come closer to God, to form that relationship with God. We see in the, in the Bible that Christ was always in prayer. He was always talking to his Father. He was always uniting himself to his Father, whether it be that he was thanking him for a miracle that happened, whether it be that he was asking him and he was confused and he said, Father, you know, I, I pray, why are these people uh, not listening to us? Whether it be because he was saying, I commend to you my apostles, you know, or whether he was at the Garden of Gethsemane and, and suffering and letting him know that he was suffering. There was always communication. There was always words between Jesus and, his, and the Father. And that never stopped. Those words were important. Christ understood the power of prayer. And he understood that that power brings us closer to God and helps us follow God's will. This is what's really important and really powerful for us. As we relate to each other, as we talk to each other, words are going to be very important. Am I ready to give words in kindness? Am I ready to allow my words to always be a prayer, whether I'm in prayer myself or I am speaking to other people? And that doesn't mean that I'm turning them into God. What I'm saying is, as I talk to other people, is that a prayer to God? Am I uplifting the kingdom of God? Am I using my words for kindness and recognizing with the eyes of faith that if I give out a kind word, boy, there's going to be a whole lot of good that's going to happen. There's going to be a whole lot of change that's going to happen. And I should expect to see that because our words are actually spiritual action. It's it's what's happening. It's what we see in the sacraments. It's when, if I'm married, I not only, my marriage didn't stop by saying I do, that's when it started. A lot of people equate being married with a wedding. So a lot of times people say, oh, they're getting married. And they get excited about a wedding. They get excited about the event that allows the marriage to happen, but the marriage is lifelong. How do I know that my marriage is going well? Because I'm going to give my wife a kind word, or if I'm upset, or let's say that we're having an argument or we're not doing well, and I give her a kind word anyway, how powerful is that? If I find something positive and let her know that through my words, that's going to build up the marriage. And if the marriage sacrament itself is a visible sign of Christ, then why wouldn't I want to build up Christ? It's no different than if I give my neighbor a kind word. It's going to build them up. I hope to build up other people. A lot of times we wait for somebody to give us a kind word. We wait so that we're uplifted. But we've got to remember that our words are powerful. We forget that. We just think that a lot of times we don't think that we're that important. But this is also where we've got to remember, why are our words powerful? Why are words so strong? Why do they carry so many things? It's because of the way God made us. It's because of who we are. You can't forget that if we have an inheritance in the kingdom of God and we are God's children, then God expects us to use all of our words to bring him praise. Once we do that, there's a whole lot of power to that. We kind of shy away sometimes and we don't think we're that important or we don't think we're that important in the eyes of God. 
But when we understand what God expects from us, because we are his children, then any word we say is going to carry power and it's going to be uplifting. Now, there's a final thought here where we talk a lot about words and the spoken words and how that can create action. A lot of times we can't underestimate the power of the unspoken word. Because just like we can pray in silence, I don't always have to use words out loud to pray. I can pray in my mind. God knows what I'm thinking. The same way that we can convey messages to people without necessarily using words from our mouth, but we can actually communicate in silence. And it can be something as simple as a knowing smile or a gesture, say, that you allowed somebody to walk in front of you or a respectful nod to somebody when you see them. There's always a way for us to communicate Maybe not with spoken words, but with body language type words. We're communicating to each other all the time. When we do that, that can be very powerful. We can have an effect on each other's lives. We can make each other happy. We can bring each other up, but we also have the power to bring each other down. So we can't underestimate the fact that if we're going to speak, if we're going to convey a message, we're going to affect other people. This is so important. It's important to remember that because other people are going to affect us as well. How many times have we been in situations where somebody didn't speak to us very kindly or made us feel less than or made us feel upset? I hear this all the time, you know, gosh, my boss isn't treating me well, I'm at work. And they really, you know, they, they tell us that we're not worth much, that we're being overpaid, that they would have already fired us by now. You know, these aren't kind words to hear. Am I going to choose to use that and turn that around and be negative to other people or am I going to use that as an opportunity to say, no, you know, I receive the sacraments. I know who I am. I know the power of words. I'm going to not accept those words. I'm not going to say yes to the dark side and allow that anger to come in. I'm not going to say yes and allow envy to come in because somebody else got a kind word and I didn't. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look forward to how can I build the kingdom of God with words? How can I bring positivity in people's lives by using kind words? I want to look at a few more of these verses from the book of Proverbs, because I think they're just so powerful. Sometimes we forget that, but um, you know, it, it reminds us that that which we say really is going to bring about the kingdom of God. So I'll leave you with one last one, and it says, "Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. If we're looking for treasure, if Christ told us, don't build your treasure on earth where moths and, and, and thieves steal, moths corrode, don't do that. Build yourself a treasure in the kingdom of God. Then remember this. A wise word, a wise speech is going to be rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. You have the treasure. You can convey the treasure. Make sure that we say kind words to each other from now on and not listen to such negativity. If there's negativity in our lives. We're going to put that away. I thank you for being here at the clinic. I thank you for joining our show. As always, to all of our friends out there, if there's any questions, if there's any comments, feel free to email us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I would love to share your comments on the air. And really, everybody who's listening around the globe, thank you for being part of our Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Until next time, stay healthy, and we'll see you here in the clinic. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, 
give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.